Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Every now and then we have these amazing allies in our fight for equity in the workplace and equality in the world. And today we are so fortunate to have Ari Kaplan on the show. Ari, thank you for being here. It's a privilege. Well, let me tell you, the privilege is mine because you bring a huge smile to my face and you really do, your energy is infectious, your enthusiasm is contagious, you're just a really great, great um, first resource for important information, but your delivery is very, uh, you know, warm and wonderful, so I'm so happy to have you on the show. No pressure now, you haven't set the bar <laughs> too high. <laughs> so keep up the good work, at least for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about yourself, why don't you? Yeah, thanks so much. So I am a, an analyst. I describe myself as an analyst that, that covers legal. I think ultimately I'm a storyteller. I have practiced law for nearly nine years with uh, generally with large firms in New York City and have had the privilege now of being on my own since the summer of 2006. Wow. And wow. Um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it really makes me smile. And uh, it's been a wonderful, people ask me what I do. I always say I do lucky work because, Aww. you know, I think that I get, you know, I, I'm a writer, so I produce a lot of content. I get to share that content in presentations. I get to have wonderful conversations like this and get to share the stories of others and try to aggregate them into lessons that are, our industry and professionals generally can learn. I'm raising teenagers, which is itself a, a, a remarkable adventure. And luckily, I have a, a you know a, a, a partner that I uh, you know can't be more grateful to have uh, to do that. That's awesome. So I want to interject so really uh, yeah, quickly. It's really been, been a lot of fun. You um you're clearly still a lawyer because you say um that raising teenagers has been quite an adventure. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're very good teenagers. I mean, knock, knock. They're really, you know, any, any issue that I, I, any, any sort of challenge of parenting, it just, it's usually, you know, kind of uh, captured in laughter, you know, thank goodness they're, you know, they, they, it's not easy to be my child. Everything is a lesson and there's always a, a quote and there's always some Socratic discussion and like, oh my gosh, can't you just give us the answer? And I'm like, well, why would I give you the answer? There's no fun in that. I mean, even when my kids were little, they, they get a gift or something and they'd be like, oh, let's go put this together. I'm like, good luck. Let me know how it goes. And, and I mean, when my kids were little, my, my wife is an incredible chef and this very doting mom and also a remarkable trial lawyer. And my kids, you know, one, one weekend morning, I don't remember, they got up and they wanted me to make them French toast or something. And my wife was at the gym and they're like, we want French toast. And I was like, all right, today's going to be learn how to cook day. And they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, just, you know, turn the stove on and mix the egg. And they were like, wait, what if I, what if we could get burned? And I'm like, but you only get burned once. And they were like, what kind of parent do you? And it's funny because recently my son, who's now 17, he said, you know, dad, that was genius. Thinking about it now, we've been caring yeah. for ourselves for all these years based on that moment. And I was like, yeah, well, I can't take full credit, right? Your mother has taught you all the good things to do. I just got you to get over the hump of being afraid of trying it. So That's yeah. so awesome. Bit. You're raising um, 
you know, self-reliant, independent doers, and clearly they have to engage in critical thinking, right? So well, fingers crossed. <laughs> I, 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 listen, they're right. Right now, they seem they seem happy, well-adjusted, and you know, with a some sense of humor. Although every once in a while, my own sense of humor is reflected back to me in the face of a child, and I think, "Holy cow, what am I doing?" So we'll, that must be we'll, your favorite. We'll that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> I love that. My son is very embarrassed by his parents. He's 19. Um, so I think that's our job is to keep that up, right? So um, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. I well, hear you're, you. Doing my best. Yeah, you're amazing. So we, you sort of have your own name brand. Just, you, you know, everyone knows you, knows what you do, knows the quality of the work that you do. But I think what we like best about you is how you do it. Your content is great, but again, I'll say it, your delivery is just amazing. You're such a positive person. And, um, you know, I am annoyingly positive too, people say, um, but that will never change. And we love that. And you're very compelling. So why don't you tell folks a little more about why you do what you do? Like it's what funny that, you? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned my work and my brand because my uh, when I started this, I called the company Ari Kaplan Advisor. <laughs> well, that makes and sense. And my mother-in-law, with whom I'm very close, always says to me, "Yeah, she she always says to me, Ari, you know, she's we're we're all from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. My wife's from Brooklyn. My mother-in-law, obviously, from Brooklyn. And she always says to me, Ari, who are the other advisors?" <laughs> but who are the advisors? And like, you know, you've got was, that down. Yeah, she's like, it was, it's, I'm like, I'm like, it's aspirational, you know, lots of advisors, just a giant consultancy. So even to this day, she's like, how are the other advisors? And I'm always like, they're fine. Me and all my advisors are great. So you know, the, 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 really, it started out as a as a ghostwriting practice. So I had I was fortunate that the very first lawyer that I worked with brought me into his office on day one and said, "Ari, I write a column for X Y Z publication, which means you we write a column for this publication." And you know, I took that very positively. And by the end of you know. My first year of practice, I probably had a dozen bylined articles because he was generous to allow me to be the co-author of all these articles. And, and then over time, I realized this, I graduated in 90, started practicing in 97. And so, you know, fall of 98, I went into his office and I said, you know, a lot of people seem to be talking about this internet. I'm like, maybe we should write about that. I know what, you know, we were doing international <laughs> trade. And he's like, and he, you know, to his credit, he's like, look, I'm going to stick with what I know, but you're welcome to, you know, I don't want any way to stifle your creativity. If you can write our article and bill your time, you can write about anything and I'll support it. And he did. And I ended up writing, you know, in the, in the nine years I practiced probably 125 articles on a wow. whole range of topics. And, and of course it was a lucky moment, right? I mean, the these publications that focused on technology had money they could pay freelancers it was actually a wonderful time and if you had some legal knowledge you can combine the two there was a point at which i had a column in eweek magazine which was a zip davis publication and really tried to you know consistently come up with ideas and it, i realized also very early on that if you're a writer now a podcaster or anyone that can showcase others they're more likely to take your call. And that was yeah. true then, it's true you know, 20 years later. And so 
my whole mission had always been, well, you know, I could write about something or I can include the perspective of others in that writing, make it richer, give an opportunity to sort of really identify and highlight other talents and the personalities of other people. And so when I left my firm, I started ghostwriting. And so I, I, I said, you know, hey, I could write a white paper, case studies, things like that. And then that kind of evolved because I wrote a couple of different books and about networking, about kind of standing out, business development, and then just frankly worked really, really hard and continue to work really, really hard, although I don't quite see it that way. I feel very lucky to do the work that I do. So it's not as if I'm like, oh gosh, I got to get up and do this. And it's grown. So I, I do a lot of consulting. I produce a lot of research now. I interview, gosh, a, just a very large number of professionals on an annual basis for the reports, all of which are generally available on my website or have links to places where you can get it for, for downloading for free. And so it's been, um, yeah, a wonderful, a wonderful adventure. You know, so um, I met you through email years ago um, and have watched you and followed you and seen you shine and grow and do all the wonderful things that you do. That is precisely my business model is to shine a light on others, give them a platform, amplify their voices. Um, I have quite a big following, as you know, and I'm thinking maybe I should introduce you to the faculty members of my other company. I have another business called Executive Institute on Inclusion. If that's of interest, we should chat because I love what you do and you certainly shine a bright light on uh, folks. And these are all, you know, JDs, MBAs, um, PhDs. They would be very interesting people. And the way you tell stories, you make those types of people even more interesting, right? You might even make them fun to listen to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, thank you. I I welcome <laughs> the chance to follow up. Although, you know, I'm very transparent about all the things I do. And in fact, routinely encourage others to simply model after people that they think are like, right. Uh, I would encourage people to model their work and their things after what you're doing because, the, you know, you don't have to come, you have to just sort of make it your own. And I think that people are reluctant for one reason or another. I, I, you know, it's generally based on fear, I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, but then at some point you, you get over that. You know, I remember uh, being very nervous about, about asking a particular girl to go out. And luckily we'll be married 20 years in, in another month. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, things, I just think things like that, you know, at, at their core, you know, whether, whether it's about, you know, something basic like that or something more sophisticated and, and professional, like reaching out to a, a prospect or someone that you'd like to meet for your career, it's all about the same thing. So, you know, yeah, I'd be happy to, happy to follow up on that. You see, you did it again. You wove something meaningful and delightful and something that makes people smile into your conversation. Uh, you gave us a little bit more, uh, more information about who you are, but you also told a really cute brief story about the love you have for your bride. And that <laughs> is so sweet. I just, so my listeners love that. They love that. So you understand the importance of being your whole self, not just one person nine to five and someone else after work. You bring your whole self to the table. And I love that about you. That's, that's what a great storyteller does, right? So, well, well I, think, I think there's a double-edged sword there, right? I mean, people say that I, or certainly my wife says, I have a very Larry David personality. And so we live in the suburbs. And so we tend to go out with a lot of couples once. 
the theme music plays. I've said something that I shouldn't have said. And then, you know, we're driving home and I'm like, well, well, she started the car. I was just adding to the car. My wife's like, oh gosh, lower the theme music. We need to get home already. Oh so, <laughs> Oh my God. That is so like, I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard because I can totally see that. You are totally Larry David. Oh my God. We still watch that show. Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's our guilty pleasure. It's something we don't, you know, well, I guess the world knows now, but um, yeah, we love that show it's like it taps into our dark side yeah, right um, yeah you are one funny man <laughs> oh my god that's awesome that's awesome well let me ask you this question i have to ask this it's very important to me um since my focus is equity in the workplace how do you think men can help women achieve it so you know it's so interesting i had the privilege of interviewing 77 very senior in-house lawyers in, gosh, multiple countries around the world in March and April. So just a few months ago. Wow. For, yeah, yeah. It was an ama amazing assignment. It was part of uh, Burford Capital's equity project, and they engaged me to interview these folks, uh, particularly at a very pivotal, mo pivotal moment. You know, you're talking about March 2020, April 2020, and specifically about gender equity in legal. So what are the challenges? What are the institutional issues that need to be overcome? What areas can people have an impact? And it was really all about empowerment. It wasn't, and, and a lot of these individuals are trying in some respect to exercise their influence their power depending on their role and yeah. trying to engage in a conversation and so i really try to use not necessarily my voice much more my platform the ability right. to give others a chance i have started an initiative called the virtual lunch and i started it uh, march 16th was our first lunch today was our 87th lunch so 87 yeah. consecutive weekdays since that started and we've we've i've invited guests on to talk about diversity and inclusion but much more it's it's interesting i made the mistake and i'm sure your listeners and you will appreciate this i produce a lot of content so i'm often asked to bring a panelist on to speak at an event and i was talking to someone that i trust very much and who i think is just incredibly bright um and i said to her oh I would love to incorporate you into an upcoming a panel. I really need a woman. And, oh. and she was she was like, Ari, I can't believe it. Like, can't you say that you need a smart, she happened to be, a, you know, a, partly a scientist. And I was like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that. And it was so important for her to have called me out and said that to me like that. And so, on the sh on the lunch like my objective every time is to find the absolute smartest most dynamic most creative most engaging individual to share really thoughtful perspectives and to help the audience kind of participate in that conversation the fact that they m many of them most of them happen to be women or professionals of color is just because I'm trying to find the smartest, best, most dynamic, interesting people, not because I'm trying to showcase uh, a particular type of individual. And I think it's really 
this conversation, if characterized about authenticity and the acceptance of authenticity becomes a much more positive, much more dynamic discussion because if you're willing to accept someone's authenticity, then all of the elements about them become valuable and it's not just you trying to parse out what, what, what seems to make sense at the moment. It's this holistic individual and their contribution and the fact that the contribution of many as opposed to one is what leads to progress. And, and that's really been my, my mission and I think what characterizes a lot of the work that I do. Well, I'm going to give you a provocative um, pass on that because when I ask women, what can we do to support women? They say, hire women, you know, focus on women, give the opportunity to women. Uh, that can be said for the Black Lives Matter movement. All lives matter, of course, but what we're saying when we say Black Lives Matter is that in our neighborhood, there's one house on fire. When you call the fire department, they put the hoses on that one house. They don't put the hoses on all the houses. So I'm going to give you a pass on that and say, um, you might have phrased it differently, but I appreciate that you specifically wanted to give an opportunity to, yes, of course, someone who's smart and capable and able and a good presenter, uh, but yes, who is female. So you're forgiven in my book. <laughs> well, I just, my, my objective, no, and I appreciate that. I think that if, if anything, what I'm trying to do is to be the facilitator of these conversations, yes. both easy, easy and hard, and really to be open, which is why I mentioned this thing about me saying to my colleague, I need a woman on this. And she was like, no. And I was like, I'm so grateful that you taught me that lesson. And I'm also grateful that we were in a safe enough environment that I could feel yes. comfortable having learned a lesson. And I think that's a, that's a really important issue because we've talked about on the, on the lunch, like if, 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 if it's okay to fail and it's okay to fail publicly, then more progress will be made. If people are are uncomfortable about, about what they're gonna say and the, and the language that they're gonna use and the method in which they uh, approach something, it's, it's so much harder. And so I was, I was grateful for that lesson and I was grateful for the fact that it reshaped my perspective and, and my viewpoint. Well, I'll say that you're the, one of the most powerful lessons in that is that you're the kind of person who is open to the feedback and that makes you right there a transformational leader you know someone who can take feedback and understand it's a sign of respect that she she shared that with you so bravo that you're open to getting that kind of feedback and and you know maybe recharting a course in a different direction next time but um, that's a great story. And I know you do a lot of good work and that's amazing that you interviewed all those people. Um, I do wanna to talk to you offline. I'm having ideas spin around in my head, uh, which is very common, but they're spinning at a faster rate than usual when it comes to you trying to keep up with you. Um, but let you me gotta be careful. That. You gotta be careful of that because I'm a swimmer and I swim just several miles a week, but I, I, I long for the swimming where it's just, it's just uh, strokes and, and meditative and right. And, and lately it is not, it's still like, there's so many ideas and so much. I think it could be also that I've been swimming in a lake. I used to swim in a pool that's now closed. It's easier to do that in a pool because you know, you take 
20 strokes across a flip turn and then come back. And it's this, you know, it's, it's a, you know, when you're swimming across a lake, you could swim for, you know, half a mile, mile before you turn around. And so your mind is just, you know, it's, it's, it's a very interesting. So be careful of all the ideas. <laughs> it can be yeah, yeah. I have to meditate to calm the thinking mind. Otherwise I'm um, writing things down and recording things and having ideas and, you know, opening new businesses and inviting new people to do different things. And it does get exhausting, but even then I don't realize I'm exhausted until my body collapses. So you're right. We need to meditate, take time out, be conscientious about self-care. Um, I can see that your energy is high level. What are you on the Myers-Briggs? I'm curious. Oh, you know, it's funny. I did this once. I don't, I don't really remember, but it's, you know, clearly the, one of the quadrants, you know, the engaging, I don't know, you know. Yeah, definitely I, yeah, an E. Yeah, sure. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, I'd be curious. So if, if when you hang up, you'd be so inclined, I would ask that you'd go to even just one of the easier ones. They're still valid. Go to the number 16, the word personalities.com. And then write to me after you take the test and tell me what you are. This is, this is interesting to me. And there's a reason I'm asking you and we'll discuss it later, but. Yeah, I can. I've done it, and I, I can. I've done it, and I can find it and share. I'm happy to share it with you. But I've, awesome. I've done. I think it was Strengths Finder, right? I, I did Strengths Finder. Oh, but, that's a great yeah, program. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let me ask you this. This is, um, you know, sort of a controversial question. I always ask people something where they can share a bit about themselves, you know, open up some vulnerability, some authenticity, being real, having courageous conversations. What lesson did you learn from your dad that you really didn't understand until after he was gone? When I was little, so I'm oddly handy. I say that because none of my friends are handy. <laughs> um, Husband like, dreams of being handy. Right. No, like, you know, like, like handy and not that I'm not rebuilding my house, but my wife, my wife came home. I came home from a business trip of last spring or something. And my wife, you know, I come into the house and my wife's like, you know, the, uh, of course, no, she, I come into the house. My wife's like, Oh my God, I miss you so much. I can't believe you're back. Thank goodness you're back. Please. That, that's actually not exactly what happened. She, I came in and she said, all right, the refrigerator in the garage is broken. Uh, you know, you need to fix it. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know anything about a refrigerator in a garage. And she's like, I know, but good night. You know, we married a long time. We're together a very long time. She trusts that I'll, I'll try to figure it out. I go down, I do a you know, Google search, watch some YouTube videos. In five minutes, I realize there's a motherboard in the refrigerator that's probably burnt out. I order a new one on Amazon. I go upstairs. I'm like, honey, I think it's the motherboard. She's like, oh my God, my mother was wrong about you. You're amazing. <laughs> uh, that's not true at all. She just was sleeping, but I did change it. And so that, the point is, when I was little, my dad used to always make me hold the flashlight. So yeah. no matter what he was doing, he would make me hold the flashlight. And sometimes we'd be in a perfectly bright room and I'd be really annoyed. And as I got older, I got more and more annoyed, as you would expect, uh, you know, someone who is an adolescent and a teenager. Like, I was like, Dad, I don't, what do you need to just turn the light on. I'm busy. I'm watching TV, whatever I was doing, watching a game. My dad's like, I need you to hold the flashlight. Please just hold the flashlight. Sometimes we'd argue about it, but really I would always be holding this flashlight. And then as I got older, especially when I, you know, owned a house or whatever, and I realized that there were all of these like odd things that I could now 
do you know my I would oh, oh that you need you need that oh that's a wire I, I call my dad and I'd be like yeah what is that I was going to use a, like a this kind of pliers or this kind. he's like yeah that's right I would use that and if you have this and if you don't I'll bring Aww. it over and I was like oh all those years he did not need me for the light he just wanted me to watch him and it was really really interesting all these years later I'm constantly you know, reminded of like watching him fix, even wire something or plumbing. Like my wife laughs because her dad would just call somebody or be like, I don't know. And now, you know, she lives with someone. She's like, I'm sure you can figure that out. I don't know what the problem is. I'm sure you can figure it out. And I've tried to, you know, kind of convey that to my kids. But even Oh yeah, I'm, that's the French toast example right there. Right, right. So even in my work though, you know, I coach a lot of, uh, I'm very, very fortunate to coach a lot of professionals, typically, typically law firm partners. And every once in a while, like one of them will be reluctant to make a call, for example. And I remember once I was on the phone with somebody and I said, I said, you know, we should, you should call this organization. I bet you they would love to have you speak. It's like right in your target market. Why not reach out? oh, I will, uh, I just have to figure out what to say. And I was like, really? I was like, all right, hold on one second. And then on the other line, I started calling the organization and then I connected us both back and the phone is ringing and the person's like, wait, what is that? And I was like, I, I, I don't think we have time for this. Like life is too short. Let's, I've called them. And they're like, well, what am I going to say when they pick up? And I was like, I don't know what you're going to say when they pick up. You'll figure it out. You're very smart. You're extremely talented. You're a partner in a law firm. And they were, you know, so of course someone picked up, hello? And they were like, uh, hi, can I speak to so-and-so? And it worked out great. And so I just feel like I've always tried to be a little bit more proactive like that. Maybe, maybe have them hold the flashlight in some way. That is so awesome. And look at you now shining the light on others. You are the flashlight. You are, um, yeah, really bringing attention. And I always say, look, women have a voice. We are not silent. There's something I teach called muted group theory. You can Google it after we hang up, but um, it's about amplifying their voices, giving them the platform, like what you do so well. Um, you're such a great guy. I, I, I could do several podcasts with you. I could do, you know, have you on again and again. You're so uh, energetic and intellectual and just fun to listen to. And uh, I so appreciate having you here. Let me ask you a, a quick fun question and then we're gonna go to a place you haven't been and that I didn't tell you about before. It's called the wild card question. Now I won't go there if you're not game, but it sounds like with what you did to those law partners, <laughs> you're game, you're game for a wild card question. But my first question to you is how do you spend your free time? Well, well so besides swimming. swimming. And that, I think I'm a, I'm a runner. I'm trying to think. It took me a very long time to describe myself as a triathlete, but I've actually done the Ironman a couple of times. And I wow. Online about this, and he said, "Well, I guess if you've done the Ironman a couple of times, it's okay to describe yourself as a triathlete." So I would say I spend I I play some basketball. With my daughter. Um, nice. So this has been a big quarantine thing. We play boggle after dinner almost every night. And my daughter is an amazing boggle player. It actually defies logic how good she is. So I, I probably have a little bit better vocabulary than her, but she sees words that I just could never identify the name boggle. Um, so yeah, I was, you know, I walk. What a fun family. Times, but I, I think 
I would describe myself as a, you know, a writer and a swimmer, and I spend my time in that way, I think, mostly. Let me ask you this question. Um, well, first of all, what a fun family, right? Boggle should be calling you now for a promo. Um, <clears throat> that's awesome. Secondly, have you ever done the Iron Man in Hawaii, in Kona? I have not done the Iron Man in Hawaii, and uh, I will not be doing the Iron. I mean, you know, the I've done the Iron Man in Lake Placid, the Iron Man in Montreblanc. Um, the Ironman in Hawaii is a, is a qualifying race. And so, you know, these other races, you just have to qualify by being a little bit, you know, nutty. But the Ironman in, <laughs> in, in Hawaii is, and it, you know, for the most remarkable kind of athlete. Yeah, I used to live in Oahu and people would come over to do the Ironman on, on the island of Hawaii, but they would stop over after and hang out. And it was really fun. These are unique, especially... Um, hardwired in a different sort of way kind of people you know all right Ari are you willing able and ready to risk it and take the wild card question or no I'm willing let's see what you got all righty I have a box of 144 they're called thoughtful questions but we'll see yes this one is very thoughtful what is a topic you have completely changed your mind about Holy cow. What is a topic that you have completely changed your mind about? I love it. I would tough one. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a, I, I think it's a, a really interesting sort of provocative question. Uh, and I would say that I have... I mean, maybe maybe this seems like it's it's sidestepping a little bit, but I think it, it demonstrates a bit of a bit of growth. Um, I have I have changed my mind about rooting for for teams that I am not. I'm a big baseball fan, so we're big Mets fans in my house, and we're pretty much don't like any other uh, baseball teams. And you know, we and it's a lesson that I I so with respect to the, sort of the flashlight story and the other things like I when my son was really little. I was standing and had my legs crossed, you know, I was just standing against the wall with my legs crossed. And I was talking to somebody in my house and I noticed this little boy standing against the wall with his legs crossed exactly as I was. And at that moment, I realized how powerful my own actions were to people watching me, not just, I mean, especially my children because they're with me all the time. And, you know, God willing, I'll, they'll be around me for the rest of my life, right? Um, but I, I don't know. There was some, you know, demonstration of that. And so anytime, like, you know, we're, you know, with respect to sports, I, I feel like I've changed my mind about um, silly things like that. Like, you know, having a certain kind of... Uh, the tribalism? The tribalism? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've... I've you know, I've, I've realized that like I'll root for my team, you know, we've gone to a subway series and we'll, you know, even, even, even when I watch sports, you know, someone, some one of my neighbors actually called me out once because uh, one of our kids was playing something and the, the a kid on the other team was like, did a really great job. I was like, wow, amazing hit. I started clapping. <laughs> and the person was like, you know, you don't have to clap that loud for the other team. And I was like, they're kids. What are you talking about? And it was just a very funny moment. And so I feel like I've, you know, from that standpoint, I just feel like we're, 
it's all about the same thing. Um, and the, the, you know, the love of the game, the love of a topic, like, couldn't we just, uh, you know, more collaborative that way. That's an amazing answer. And as much as it's tough to answer those wildcard um, questions, you did such a good job. And, and look, I'll relate this to something truly deeply meaningful. Um, I read a book once and I've recommended it to almost everyone I've ever met. So I'll say it here again. It's called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided Over Politics and Religion. And it's by Dr. Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-T. And it's one of the most, it's a very deep and difficult read and you have to really examine yourself uh, fully. We don't really often know the difference between ethics and morals. And he goes deeply into some of those exercises. It's a book I highly recommend. But one chapter in the book addresses tribalism is what I call it. Um, I think he refers to it as something else. But I was using it for a project I did on groupthink. And he talks about football, politics, and religion. And I think that your answer plays right into that very deep and important topic of groupthink and tribalism and when it goes too far, when it's supporting your team, but then when it's slamming the other team. And that was very courageous. And what a good answer, especially on the fly. You are so fascinating, Mr. French Toast, Flashlights, and Sports Fans. That's, that's, that's how I'm going to wrap you up. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Ari? I know that others are going to want to, you know, get a little piece of Ari in their day. Sure. So my Twitter handle is just at Ari Kaplan. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I don't know, what is it? Slash in slash the Opportunity Maker, which is the title of my first book. Nice. And I would love, you know, so I host, I mentioned I host this virtual lunch every single weekday and I have no intention of stopping. And so anybody is welcome to join. It's a great group of people. I never know who's going to be on. They're just an array of fascinating professionals. We have guests a couple times a week. It's totally free. Uh, if you go to avirtuallunch.com, it'll give you the Zoom link and you're welcome to join and participate in our conversation. And I just feel lucky to be part of, of that community. So there, you know, and of course my website is arikaplanadvisors.com or, um, <laughs> although you have to, you're, you know, I don't know about the other advisors, <laughs> but, um, and then my podcast is reinventingprofessionals.com. I love it. I love all of it. And you know, I'll put all of this in the blog that I write about you and I'll share that to my website. Um, look for that in a couple, within a couple weeks, I'll say, um, you are just, you're smart. You're funny. Um, who doesn't love the French toast flashlight sports fans guy, right? So thank you so much for spending time out of your busy schedule here with us today. I've enjoyed it. Um, if there are any questions you have for Ari folks and you didn't get to write down his contact info, look for that on my blog. It'll be uh, available on my website soon. Otherwise, feel free to email me and I'll make a warm email introduction. Alrighty, Ari, anything you'd like to say before we say goodbye? Just thanks so much for, for having me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. You bet. It was my honor. Um, and I have to tell you, you had me laughing. I had to go get a tissue because my eyes were watering. I was laughing so hard. My cheeks are burning. You're really, really, really great. So thanks so much again, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.